Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. I'm continuing our series of studies and, and, uh, uh, on the prophets. I wanted to hold Isaiah to right before Christmas because we know that he was one of the prophets that prophesied much about the Messiah and particularly the birth of Jesus or Christmas. But Isaiah is 66 chapters long. And the more I thought about it, I said, how in the world am I going to cover that in one sermon? But as I was reading just the synopsis of the book, something came to me. And I said, this is a microcosm. Now, those of you that know me know that usually the biggest word I think about is elephant. (laughs) Microcosm, where did that come from? And I was thinking it was probably one of those things the scripture said, those things you've studied. So that probably went all the way back to high school. That's a long time ago. Microcosm. And I looked it up to make sure my mind was not playing tricks on me. And I looked up in the word microcosm means a community, place, or situation regarded as encapsulating in miniature the characteristic qualities of something much larger. So I was thinking was the thought Isaiah is a microcosm of the whole Bible. So I know that many of you, when you have a question, you ask Google or you ask Siri. Well, I want to tell you, I'm older than that. I asked Marcia. <laughs> because usually if I, you know, she has the answer. And, and I said, honey, do you think that Isaiah could be a microcosm? She said, what in the world is a microcosm? That thrilled me. <laughs> you don't know how seldom that happens. Have you ever asked Siri? And she said, I don't know what you're asking. Well, she said, I don't know what a microcosm is. And a microcosm, you say, well, why would you say that? Well, as I looked at it, as I was reading the synopsis of the book, I noticed something that kind of jumped out at me. The, the Bible has 66 books. Isaiah has 66 chapters. Now, I realize that those chapters were put in by man. But in the Bible, we have 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books. The topic of the first 39 chapters in Isaiah is the judgment or law, equivalent to the Old Testament. The last 27, equivalent to the New Testament, is all about comfort and encouragement. The theme of the Bible is really a love story. It's a love story of God proving and showing his love to mankind. So is that true in Isaiah? The topics of emphasis in Isaiah is holiness. How many thinks that's a major key in the Bible? Punishment. How many knows that that's in the book, even though some people like to do away with that? Salvation. The Messiah. And hope. Those are the key themes 
in Isaiah. So that sounds a lot like the entire Bible to me. I want you to notice the opening statement of the two segments equivalent to the Old Testament and the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. He was writing to his people, the Jews. And Isaiah opens up his proclamation, says, they've forgotten who God is. They've forgotten who God is. And then if you go over to chapter 40, as I said, the first 39 chapters talks about judgment, equivalent to the Old Testament. But in chapter 40, the beginning of the new, it says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hands double for all her sins. In other words, the New Testament is a message of hope, a message of encouragement, a message of peace, a message of strength. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas, because that's what happened at the beginning of the New Testament. But then if you go back to chapter 1, Let's continue reading. I don't know if you notice that. It says, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but my people do not know me. My people do not understand. Let's continue reading there at verse five. Why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole art faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They're not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate, is overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Let me back up just a minute where it says that, that the foreigners devour your land. Now, some of you may not agree with the statement but I'm about to, to make. But one of the things my wife and I got to do while we were on vacation, my uh, nephew is a manager or a, a cowman of a huge uh, ranch up in North Carolina. They raise uh, pigs and cattle and turkeys. Matter of fact, two of the turkeys that President Trump uh, pardoned, they grew up, they were raised on that farm. So we were able to be there. But he told me something that I knew, but he made it a little bit clearer. Smithfield Farms is in that area. Any of you ever heard of Smithfield? Largest uh, meat packers in America. They're not owned by Americans, they're owned by China. They're owned by China. If China really wanted to put a hurting on America, all they'd have to do is shut down Smithfield Farms. It says the foreigners have taken control. That's what it said in Isaiah. Now again, you may disagree with me, but I think it's very applicable to the message today. But it goes on to say, 
if the Lord of hosts has not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Now, it sounds like at a first glance that he's condemning the fact of giving offerings. That was not the issue. These people were just going through the motions of religion. They were going through the motions of of worshiping godly. They weren't really worshiping. They were just going through the motions. And I hate to say it, but a lot of times we get caught up in our society that we're more religious than we are Christian. That we're more involved in what we do and what what Isaiah was saying to the nation of Israel. He says that you're in a hopeless condition. Now let's read on. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourself, make yourself clean, remove the evil from your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. Now that's what he was saying. What was, what, was, what was the essence? What was the purpose of the law? What was the purpose of the law? We could get into a lot of detail, but basically, putting down into the smallest denominator, the law was to show us how sinful we were, to show us that we could not be good enough to get into heaven because we're sinful man. My wife and I did a lot of traveling, and you know when you're traveling on the interstate when there's a highway patrolman sitting inside the road. Because all of a sudden, the 80s dropped back to 70. Why? Because they're in violation of the law. When we know what the law says. And God says that we are not going to make it on our goodness. It's a hopeless situation. But the problem is, is we don't even try to be good. But God gives a great encouragement. He gives a challenge in verse 18. He says, come, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, that's red, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. We need to realize as we continue reading, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We need to understand that things are hopeless without God. Our situation in America, our situation in the world is just like it was in the days of Israel. We can talk about religion, we can talk about all those things, but unless we are committed to an almighty God, everything is hopeless. 
I said, it's hopeless. But he said, I wanna, you, I'm giving you an invitation. Let's reason together. Your sins, which were scarlet, shall be white as snow. Aren't you glad that God issues that invitation? He issues that invitation. Now let's flip over to chapter 40. Again, we're going to be jumping back and forth throughout Isaiah. But in chapter 40, where it begins the comfort of God's people, let's begin reading at verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low and uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What was he saying? He said, I want you to know something. It's bad. There's a lot of things going on, but hope is coming. Hope is coming. Of course, for us, the hope is not coming. It is already what? It's already come. And he came in the form of a baby, the Lord Jesus Christ, over 2,000 years ago. And he was placed in a manger. John the Baptist prepared the way for, the, for Jesus. He prepared the way, uh, way. And next week, I'm going to share the Christmas story to the best of my ability from the perspective of John the Baptist as he shares what Christmas means and the uh, gospel means to him. But he's the one that prepared the way for the Messiah that was prophesied over 700 years. Isaiah was written 700 years before Christmas, 700 years before the coming of Christ. Now, Isaiah's ministry lasted better than 40 years, but his impact of his message is still with us today some 2,500 years later. Now, how bad had Israel gotten? They'd gotten so bad that they did not want to hear from the Lord. Now, have any of you got the idea from any of the things that you see and hear on the news that America does not want to hear about God? Do you get that impression or is it just me? We don't want to hear about God. We don't know, want to know about God. You say, well, was that in the scripture? Yeah. There are people in the tornado, that travesty. They didn't want to hear the alarm. But guess what? I'm sure that there's many of them that heard the alarm and tried to get some protection, and many survived because they heard the alarm and responded. But people today don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear about God. But if you go to chapter 7, Verse 10, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Now, Ahaz was a king. And he told him, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Now, I don't know if you get the idea. He told the king, I want you to ask anything you I want. Ask for a sign. God has been so patient with us. He has been so good to us, and I really believe that he's doing the same thing today. He said, ask for a sign. Ask for something from me so I can reveal my power, so I can show myself, so I can reveal my love. But I think someone of us are like Ahaz. He says, I will not ask, 
and I will not put the Lord to the test. See, now there's a lot of people thinks it's very spiritual not to put the Lord to the test. But Brother Brown, I see throughout the Bible, God says, try me. What does that mean? He said, put me to the test. He told Ahaz, said, ask anything. Now, how, how was he limited that? Now, notice what he said. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Now, Sheol's the same thing or basically hell. Hell to heaven, you ask anything, try me and let me prove myself. It's really a shame and a disgrace to God's people when God tells us to try him, to trust me, to believe in me. But Ahaz says, I don't want to put God to the test. And he said, here then, O house of David, that's Israel, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? You weary my God also? He said, ask for a sign. Now this was 700 years before our first Christmas. Over 700 years before Jesus was born. He says, you're not going to ask for it, but I'm going to give you a sign anyway. The Lord will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Said, we don't want to hear it. Ahaz said, I'm not going to try God. We just let things go as they are. He said, that's okay, but I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And there's a lot of people in the world today that are saying, we don't want anything to do with God. We don't want to, we want to reserve him and just put him in his proper place, but we want to live our lives the way we want to live them. That was the same way that Israel was doing. We want to do our thing and it really doesn't matter what God wants to do. But God said, listen, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. A virgin shall conceive. Now, I don't know if you've thought about it, but that's a great sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a child. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. Now, the word sign, we know that's used throughout the Bible. The Bible uses it often. We, we see the sign of the rainbow. Now, not the sign that today honors the rainbow, but the promise that the world would not be dis destroyed by flood. The sign of a rainbow. How about the blood over the door is a sign. The sign of circumcision for the Jews the sign that God gave Eli that both of his sons would die on the same day. All signs. He says, this shall be a sign to you. Emmanuel, God with us. See, not only did Isaiah prophesy the birth of Jesus, did you know he prophesied the death of Jesus? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, I'd like to encourage you to read it all. But let me just read the, begin reading at verse, at verse 6 or, or verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, King James Version says, by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. And like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By, by oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living and stricken for the transgression of my people. Read the rest of that chapter. Read that. It's so powerful. We read that healing was provided for, not simply salvation of our souls, but emotional, spiritual, physical healing was all provided for in death of Jesus Christ. So Isaiah prophesied the birth of Christ. He prophesied the death of Christ. He also prophesied about the new heavens and the new earth. And Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17 says, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. So God, Isaiah made these prophecies. But it continues on through the rest of the book. Continues on the prophecies of what was going on. And it seems to me like Isaiah is a microcosm for the entire Bible. A love story of God reaching out to the people that rejected him. Reaching out to the people that have pushed him aside. Reaching out to the people that wanted to be religious, but they did not want to be spiritual. They wanted to do their thing, but not being obedient to God. He said, I'm going to give you a sign. And that sign is what we celebrate Christmas. That's the sign that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They was born of a virgin. And that, that was a sign to say, this through this man, through this child, through this person, through this Son of God. I will redeem the world because Emmanuel is with us. As we continue on and begin to wrap up this message, I want you to look at a challenge in, in chapter 66, verse 5. I think it's very similar to the challenge that we had in chapter 1, verse 18. Come, let us reason together. It's a challenge. Isaiah asked the nation of Israel. He said, come, let us reason together. Your sins which were scarlet shall be as white as snow. But then in 66 verse 5, he says, hear the word of the Lord. You who tremble at his word. I believe if there's a Christmas message that God would have all of us here loud and strong is this one. Hear the word of the Lord. God tried to speak through Isaiah and the people rejected it. But just because they rejected it, did that make it untrue? His word was still true. One scripture in Isaiah says just like the Rain comes down from heaven, and when it rains or when the dew falls, guess what? Things get wet, 
And when God's word goes forth, it will not return void. But God's word is still going out. God's word is still valid today. You may say, well, how valid are these promises? How valid are the promises of God? See, I hear people say, well, you know, preacher, I've heard that all my life. I've heard about the end times. I've heard about all these things, but I, I don't see it happening. Does that mean that it's not true just because they've not seen it happen yet? 700 plus years passed between the time that Isaiah prophesied the first Christmas. A lot of people begin to doubt. A lot of people begin to ask the question, and many, many Jews are still waiting for the Messiah to be born. But just because they're waiting for him to be born does not mean that he hasn't already been born. How valid are these promises? Well, stuck away in Isaiah chapter 38 is a story about a guy by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a, one of the more godly kings, did a lot for his nation, but he was told that he was going to die. And he petitioned God. He had the boldness to put God to the test. He said, God, how about giving me some more time? It's all recorded there in Isaiah chapter 38. Give me some more time. And we know that God heard his prayer. And granted him an extra 15 years. But I'd like to direct your attention to verse 7 of chapter 38, where it says, once again, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz turn back ten steps. So the sun turned back on the dial the 10 steps by which it had declined. Now you're talking about a miracle. You're talking about God doing something awesome. Have you ever seen it be 12 noon, sun directly overhead and no shadow and all of a sudden, instead of it going west, it goes east. God not only made time stand still, he put it in reverse. I know some of you say, well, how did you do that? I don't know. I don't have a clue how he did it, Brother Brown. But I don't know how he created man out of dust. I cannot imagine how he caused a virgin to have a baby. But the word of God is true. And I know some people talk about pastor. I, I just can't believe that. Okay. You know, there was a, a, a lady, a woman that's very godly. And a man approached her as an atheist and said, Ma'am, do you believe everything in that Bible? He says, I sure do. said, Well, do you believe that story about a man being swallowed by a whale? And he said, Well, the Bible doesn't say a whale. It says a big fish. But yeah, I believe it. He said, Well, how can you prove it? He said, Well, when I get to heaven, when I see Jonah, I ask him. He said, Well, what if he's not there? And she said, You ask him. 
a lot of things I can't understand. A lot of things that I don't know. There's a lot of things that are way above my pay grade. But that's not, when I think about God, I'm going to tell you, there's some of you that can talk way above my pay grade when it comes to talking about computers. I've learned a little bit. I know how to turn them on now. I'm progressing. But see, when you talk about a bite, I think of mosquitoes or fish. But I'm glad that I don't have to understand God. I'm glad that I don't have to be able to explain all these wonderful things. But when he says, this shall be a sign to you, and I've seen him do it over and over and over again, I think you can say it's pretty valid. If you go over to Isaiah chapter 66, toward the end of the book, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 15 through 16. For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind, and render his anger anger and fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment, and by his sword with all flesh, and those slain by the Lord shall be many. I know there are people who say, well, God's a God of love. Yes, he is, but he's also a God of justice. He's made provisions for everybody to escape. And the Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish. He's made a way of escape for every one of us. That's the reason he told Isaiah, come let us reason together. That's the reason he's given us the opportunity that Emmanuel, God with us, would come to this earth so that we would have life and have it more abundantly. See, that's a promise that's just as real as a promise that he made concerning Jesus being born of a virgin. Most everyone here, most everyone watching online probably say, oh, I believe in Christmas. Well, if you're going to believe in Christmas, you've got to read, believe the rest of the book. And God's wanting his people to serve him. And I know you say, well, pastor, I've been hearing that all my life. They waited 700 years from Isaiah. We've been waiting 2,000 years roughly for the fulfillment of the scriptures. But just because it's been a long time doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Noah preached 100 years without a convert. 100 years. That's a worse record than mine. Without a convert. But guess what? The floods came. The floods came. A lot of people say, well, when's it going to happen? I can tell you exactly when it's going to happen. I know some of you say, whoa, you're telling us the time? You're going to tell us the hour? No, I'm not going to tell you the hour. I'm telling you the time. It's going to be just like every other promise in the Bible. Just like the promise of Christmas. So behold, a virgin will conceive, bear a child, and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. Waited 700 plus years. But what did Paul say the answer was? When the fullness of time had come.
when the fullness of time had come, that's when it's going to happen. When God gets ready for it to happen. All of our worries, all of our anxieties, all of our denials are not going to stop it and slow it down. It will happen. You say, why? Because God said it would. So I see in Isaiah the microcosm of the love of God. And it hasn't changed him reaching out to his people, saying, I want to do this for you. I want to give you a sign. I want to hear your prayers. I want to minister to you. In 1971, originally it was a play, later become a movie. A movie was called Fiddler on the Roof. It was a musical adapted from stories written of Jewish life in Russia from 1894 to 1914 or the beginning of World War I. Wasn't a great time to be a Jew in Russia. But in that musical, one of the songs was entitled Miracles of Miracles. It's a love song. But I think that we can relate it to a Christmas song. Listen to the words. God has given you wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. God took up Daniel once again, stood by his side, and miracle of miracles walked him through the lion's den. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. I was afraid that God would frown, but like he did so long ago at Jericho, God just made a wall fall down. When Moses softened Pharaoh's heart, that was a miracle. When God made the waters of the Red Sea part, that was a miracle too. But all of God's miracles, large and small, the most miraculous one of all, is that out of a worthless lump of clay, God made a man today. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, God took the tailor by the hand, turned him around, and the miracle of miracles led him to the promised land. When David slew Goliath, yes, that was a miracle. When God gave us manna in the wilderness, that was a miracle too. But all of God's miracles, large and small, the most miraculous one of all is the one I thought I could never be. God has given you to me. I realized that was a love song. But I also realized that it depicts what happened at Christmas. A miracle of miracles. Wonder of wonders. God said, I'm going to give you a sign. Virgin shall conceive. And bear a son, 
And his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas. Because God came to this earth and just as surely, just as surely as that sign was fulfilled 700 plus years after it was written, all of the other promises in the Bible will be fulfilled when the fullness of time has come. This shall be a sign. Our hearts break for all those tornado victims, and I know Lee already referred to it. But tornado on the ground for over 200 miles, utter devastation. One minute, somewhere at work, and the building collapsed around them. One minute, somewhere at home, watching TV, may have even been watching the news and the weather, and their house disintegrated around them. Some of them may have been in bed. But all of a sudden, in one moment, their world was turned upside down. But if you were one of those working in the candle factory, you wonder, well, where's my job? What's going to happen? One moment. But the saddest thing is, still don't know the count, but probably close to 100, maybe more. And when you see the pictures, you wonder how so few. One moment, they were alive and well. The next moment, they entered into eternity. Some probably were believers. You say, why would you say that? Because bad things happen to good people. We're not promised immunity. We're promised a safe landing, amen? So what am I saying? Just as surely as the promise that Isaiah made, this shall be a sign. And 700 plus years later it happened. Every other promise in this book will happen in the fullness of time. The question is, how are we going to respond prior to that? Isaiah gave it in the first chapter, come let us reason together. Right when he was talking about judgment. But then over to the end, he talked about the great promises of God. I'm glad that there's hope in Jesus Christ today. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And I just ask you, are you prepared to meet God? There's so many, much I could say today. Because it promised healing, promised salvation, there's hope and comfort. Some of you today need his comfort. You need his hope. And I can tell you that God's here to minister to you. 
I know that we have some that loved ones have been lost recently. God can give comfort and strength. Some of you need healing. Our God's a healer. Some of you need forgiveness. Our God is our Savior. So if you need prayer today, as we sing this song, as we worship the Lord together, feel free to make your way to the altar and let us pray with you as we take God as his promise and ask him for the sign, sign of salvation, the sign of healing, the sign of restoration, whatever it is. Brother Lee, go ahead and leave us On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.